I didn't know it's not that was pretty weak. Let's try it again. How many knows that he loves you? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you for those in attendance today. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're going to illuminate the word of God, that the people is going to see something fresh and new from the word of God. I thank you that it is the word that breaks all yokes of bondage. I thank you that uh, Jesus is in this house. I thank you that you have given us everything that we need in this life, in godliness, in Christ Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. All right, I think it's going to be good today. I'm sure glad that you brought your family, Robert. And we expect to hear good things from young David, that he is going to have a job and he is going to have uh, finances and a car and all of these things that a job provides. Amen. What's going to come shortly. I, uh, I'm glad that you came to Winfield. We used to go through Longton on the way to see my mother and there's not much there. There's not much opportunity. What's the nearest city of size? Independence? So I think you're going to find just the ideal fit right here in Winfield. And we're glad that you're here. Amen. So, where I was at last time, we, I thought that I would touch on that, and I started swimming uphill. So we're going to go a different route today. Uh, an amazing uh, portion of word that I think that you'll enjoy. Hallelujah. We'll talk about money today. You, you better lock the door. We don't like to hear about that. that that's, a, that's a subject that's off limit, but it's going to be good. It's always good. But we did say the last couple of weeks, a scripture that I'm particularly fond of in Isaiah, it says, Sing, O barren, thou that did not bear, break forth into singing and cry aloud. He's telling us to sing and rejoice and celebrate before we see. It's another thing after you get what it is that you're seeking after, faith is no longer necessary. You've already received. But to sing and to celebrate and to praise and to give thanksgiving before what you are after even comes is another thing. So the prophet is telling us to sing before we see that new house. Sing before we see a whole group of musicians up here. Amen. To sing and to praise, and there's great power in that. We learned that Paul and Silas was in jail once again. Them guys was always in jail. But now it wasn't a good thing. And they did the unspeakable. At the midnight hour, they began to praise and sing songs unto the Lord. That's not a human reaction. Amen. When you're in the press, when you're in your midnight hour, the darkest times, you don't feel like singing. You don't feel like 
thanking the Lord, you don't feel like much of anything. You're just engulfed in your problems. But there's a great message in this to sing before you see. How am I supposed to sing and sing praises when I'm broke and I can't pay my bills? That, that's a pretty tough one if you look at it from the natural point of view. You know, I, I could say that me, myself, and I'm sure all of you, if you're in conversation with almost everyone, within the first few minutes of conversation, money is brought up in one form or another. Amen? It's usually I can't afford it or... The bills are piling up, and I, I just don't have it, and so on and so forth. We, we talk like that. Come on now. I, I know you guys as saints out there, but we, we got to learn some things to sing before we see. But when we are in the mess, when we are broke and the bills is piling up, and perhaps the bill collectors is honest to repossess or whatever have you and we need money we don't feel like singing we don't feel like celebrating so the question came to me and I don't know that I've ever heard anybody ask this question so I'm going to ask you because you guys are good thinkers have you ever considered how much cash that Jesus carried around We know he had some money. He had a treasurer. It said that Judas carried the purse. But have you ever considered how much Jesus needed to get the job done? See, we, we limit ourselves by saying, I can't buy that because it costs so much money. I'll never be able to raise that kind of money. As I was sitting in the chair, the Lord reminded me of something. And I've got many examples for you, but when we bought this building, we didn't know what it would cost. We had ideas. Darlene had kind of set a price that she didn't think we should go over. But anyway, in the beginning, when the building sold at auction, we had to give earnest money. We wrote a check for 10000 and we had to have the balance paid in 30 days. Amen. So we could have got the bank involved. We've got a great friend at the, the bank that said, I'll give you anything you need. You just give me a call. If you pay X amount of dollars, just let me know. We'll back your play, whatever you want. But we knew that we was in the right direction because within 30 days, paid in full. It was the shell of a building. Everything costs a lot of money. It costs a lot of money to rewire, and put lights up and put carpet and furnish and so on. All of that costs a lot of money. Money that we didn't have, but yet it came. In 30 days, paid in full. It took us probably 25 years to pay our house off. 
and 30 days to pay this land and building off. That's how we knew that, because we couldn't do that in our own, in our own ability. But the money was there. So we ask ourselves and consider how much cash Jesus carried around. How much did he need to accomplish all of the things that he did? So we're talking about money today. Let's go to Mark chapter 11. Hallelujah. We're going to go back to speak on some faith. We don't need more faith. We just need to be able to release and understand the faith that we have. Let's look and see what the master taught in Mark 11. Let's start with verse 11. And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked around about all things, and now the evening tide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow when they come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it. Unto what? Jesus spoke to the tree. Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. His disciples didn't overhear it. They heard it. So Jesus was always teaching principles of different things that you could speak to inanimate objects. You could speak to trees. You could speak to the fever. You could speak to the wind and the waves and the sea and all of these things. They didn't overhear it. They heard it. So Jesus has given them a valuable lesson right here. Verse 19, it says that he went into this city and did some business so on and so forth. And when the evening was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remembrance, says unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which you cursed is withered away. And Jesus answered, saying unto them, Have faith in God. Or have the God kind of faith. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be removed and be thou cast into the sea. And shall not doubt in his heart but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So Jesus the master teacher is teaching about obstacles about overcoming whatever opposition is in front of you to have faith in God or to have the God kind of faith. So to have the God kind of faith, it's important that we learn what that is. 
I'd been talking much about the hindrances to faith, but we need to learn another aspect of faith perhaps we've not heard in quite some time. You know, Jesus had a threefold ministry. You can find that in Matthew 9, 35. But his ministry was teaching, preaching, and healing. Teaching, preaching, and healing. With the disciples, he was always teaching them to look at my example, to look how the kingdom of God operates differently from the worldly kingdom that we live in. The Babylonian kingdom, the kingdom that we live in, is crumbling day by day. But the kingdom of God is where all of our resources is. And we acquire these things by believing, by having faith in God. Amen. You know, ministry costs a lot of money. My dear friend Reinhardt, they said, pays close to or more than $1 million per outdoor crusade. That's a lot of money. Amen. Sometimes they do not know if it's coming, but by faith it always comes. I think in all of their years of ministry, they've canceled very few meetings. They didn't know where their money was coming from, but by faith they believed God for the increase and it would come. Hallelujah. So we talk a lot about money. Amen. Money is a very important thing, but money shouldn't drive us and rule us. So let's see how Jesus did it. Could we, could we do that? Let's see how Jesus handled money. Everywhere, I'm going to get ahead of myself. Jesus was always teaching how to live independent of the natural system and have dominion over it. We've got off of that for quite some time, but let's look at the way that the Lord created man to function. In the very beginning, the book of beginnings, God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over all the earth. Let us. You could ask yourself, who is the us? Who is them? He didn't say, let us make man in our image and we'll have dominion over all of the earth. He said, I give that to the children of men. That the church of the living God should have dominion over things. Dominion over the natural world. Dominion over circumstance. Dominion over even our finance. Everywhere Jesus went, he lived like it was heaven on earth. He taught the disciples that money is never a limitation for those who live and operate by the kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. Let me say that again. The kingdom principle of sowing and reaping. Sometimes we expect to reap, but we never sow. 
You have to do both if you want to return. It says that the just shall live by faith, and faith is the currency of the kingdom. If you go down to the gas station or the grocery store, you better have some cash. You can't just put the groceries in the car and roll out the door, or somebody with a badge will probably meet you. You have to have some kind of currency if you want the product. Amen? So faith is the currency of the kingdom. If we want all of these promises working in our life, then we need some currency. And that currency is called faith. That currency comes from knowing the word of God and standing on all of these wonderful promises that he has given to us. So let's look and see how much cash Jesus needed to operate and do kingdom business. A lot of amplified scriptures. We're going to start with Matthew 21. Hallelujah. We're going to learn something today. Money is powerful if used in the right way, but it does not limit us to accomplish things. Do you agree? Matthew 21, in the Amplified. This is the story that Jesus needed some transportation on his trip into Jerusalem. It says, and when they had came near Jerusalem, they had received, or they had reached Beth, Bethphage, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, moving on. I can't pronounce a lot of these words in here. They had reached the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of his disciples ahead, saying to them, Go into the village that is opposite you, and at once you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall reply, The Lord needs them, and he will let them go without delay. See how easy that was? Jesus needed some transportation. He sent two of the boys and said, give me this donkey. The master has need of it. And they said, okay. And they did it without delay. How much money did that cost? Jesus was exercising something beyond the realm of money. He was exercising faith in God. Elbow your neighbor and say, we're going to learn something today. So Jesus needed some transportation. It doesn't say he paid anything for it. He just said, give it to me. Hallelujah. We have another story that said when the collectors of the temple tax asked Peter if Jesus paid the tax, Jesus said... Go fishing. Let's look at that in Matthew 17. Jesus had to pay tax just like you and me. Let's look at verse 17 or chapter 17, verse 27. It says, however, in order not to give offense and cause them to stumble, that is to cause them to judge unfavorably and unjustly, Go down to the sea, throw in a hook, take the first fish that comes up, and when you open its mouth, you will find there a shekel. 
take it and give it to them for the tax for me and for yourself. Isn't that interesting? He didn't reach in his wallet and say, here, here you go. He told Peter to do something in faith. That may sound ridiculous. We need a couple thousand dollars to pay our tax. Where is the money? They're going to foreclose our house. They're going to throw us out. And Jesus answered them and said, go fishing. Go fishing. See, the walk of faith is contrary to our intellect and what we would reason things out to be. But the big factor in there is to trust. To trust the word beyond the natural circumstances. So he answered him and told him to go fishing. What paid the taxes? Faith paid the taxes. Faith was used to get what he needed to pay the taxes. Isn't, that, isn't this interesting? Moving on. Let's look at John chapter 2. I'm having a good time. I remember a man saying that he needed to buy a house for his wife and his young family. And he began to give all of the customary excuses why he couldn't do that. The price was just too high. We just can't do it. We just don't have it. And so on and so forth. And he said the Spirit of God spoke to him and told him to go over to a certain neighborhood that was had all of the nice homes and just begin to speak to the one that you want. Just point to it and said, you're mine in Jesus' name. See, that was totally ridiculous in the natural. But things came about. Amen. Things lined up. By faith, the words that they had spoken, things began to come forward, and that's the way things went. Maybe I need to do that. Maybe we just need to drive over by Matt's neighborhood and point to something. <laughs> Say, that's mine. Whoever's living in there, you got to move in Jesus' name. Amen. So Jesus operated by kingdom principles. Hallelujah. The principles that we live on in this natural world is buying and selling. The kingdom principles is sowing and reaping. My, my, my. John 2, let's look at verse 6. When the wedding party risked major embarrassment, Jesus turned water into wine. It said there were six water pots of stone standing there as the Jewish custom of purification or ceremonial washing demanded holding 20 to 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them to the brim. And he said to them, and he said to them, draw some out and take it to the manager of the feast, to the one presiding the superintendent of the banquet. So they took him some. And when the manager tasted the water, just now turned into wine, not knowing where it came from, 
the servants had drawn the water, drawn the water, knew that he called the bridegroom. So the master of the feast tasted the wine, and he marveled that the choice wine was brought out last. He said that the way things work is you break out the good stuff, and when people get uh, well on their way, then you bring out the cheap wine. But he said nobody has ever brought out the good stuff first. But I want you to notice that it says that what this amounted to was six water pots, which, if you look it up, would be anywhere from 120 to 180 gallons of wine. I've seen a story not too long ago that they found a sunken ship somewhere, and they was able to do some rescue some stuff, and and they found a bottle of wine in there from several hundred years ago. And somebody with more money than sense paid a million dollars for that bottle of wine because it was special. So we could estimate that 180 gallons of the finest wine on today's market would be well in the millions of dollars. So where did Jesus get that money? How did he do that? See, Jesus is teaching us something here. He's teaching us to not put so much dependence on natural things, our job and so on and so forth. They're a good tool for a purpose. Don't hear what I'm not saying. Don't go out and quit your job. But faith is a very important thing. To learn to live by faith. Do you, or do you agree? What about the story when he decided to feed 5,000 in a desert place? I don't believe there was any Sands Club or Costco or anything like that nearby. It says when you read the account that the disciples was freaking out. They were stressed because Jesus put his word out that we're going to feed these people. 5,000 plus women and children. So there was a lot of people there. They looked at things in the natural point of view. How are we ever going to do that? How will we ever feed these people? But Jesus didn't stress. Jesus knew that he was going to feed them people by faith. The words that he spoke. And it says, as he blessed the bread... And he put it in the hands of the disciples. The multiplication came. And you know what? Let's take a look at them. That's found over in John 6. Let's read that because there's something very key that we need to look at. John 6 and 11. It says, Jesus took the loaves and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to the reclining people, so also he did with the fish as much as they wanted. Say that with me. As much as they wanted. Which we, we're real humble and say, oh Jesus, just give me a little bit. Just, just, just 
my daily bread will suffice as much as they needed. There was no limitations on him. Amen. Some of you have been out to eat with me as much as I wanted. I could probably shut down the buffet because usually what I want is quite a bit. Amen. Scott sends me home a care package once in a while, and I think we're feeding 30 people. But we mow right through it. <laughs> There's none go to waste. As much as they wanted. Do you know that Jesus and the disciples never lacked anything that money could buy? They never lacked anything. We look at everything from through the lens of how much. Jesus looked at everything through the lens of, of faith. He only did what the Father showed him, what the Father told him. Amen. So this is very key. I think this is a very timely teaching. Can I give you a couple more? We're not going to look at this, but Luke 10 and 4, look for yourself. Jesus is now sending his disciples out for their first missionary trip. The disciples are going to go out and preach the gospel that Jesus preached. But he gave them a word. He gave them a teaching word. And this is what he said. He said, don't take any money with you. Not even a traveling bag. Well, how is these guys going to go out on a missionary trip without any money? But they never lacked anything. Isn't this wonderful? They never lacked for anything. Everything was provided for them from the Heavenly Father. But they had to receive it by faith. You know, faith is an action word. They could have argued with him and said, no, I can't do that. I got to have, a, you know, a couple hundred dollars. I got to have a bag of groceries. He sent them out with nothing. Everybody say trust. Hallelujah. We've all been in difficult situations where things get very tight, where we don't know if we're going to make it till payday or not. But let me tell you that faith will produce everything we need when we need it. Faith will produce everything we need when we need it. See, these things, it doesn't make sense. They doesn't compute. The more you see it, the more you see it in the Word of God, the more you hear it, the more faith comes and the more you begin to believe it. So don't shut me down. It's right out of the Word of God. This is how Jesus operated. All of these things, plus many more examples like it, he, he didn't say, well, give me my wallet. I got a, how many will 5,000 cost me? No, he just spoke the Word only. He knew it was the Father's desire to take care of them people. They walked for, for probably many, many miles, even days, because they heard Jesus was going to be teaching and preaching. And he took care of them. There wasn't any of them go home hungry. 
He knew that they had physical needs. He knew that they needed to eat and drink and rest. So all of that was taken care of. Oh, glory to Jesus. They never lacked anything. So now Jesus is sending them out. You know, one of the most beautiful scriptures in the word is Acts verse 1. It said, as they were taught, that they, let's just take a look at it. It says that Jesus began something and they was the continuation of it. Do you know that you're the continuation of what Jesus began? Hallelujah. It says, the former treaty have I made, O Theophilus, of all that Jesus began both to do and to teach. Very first mention in Acts. Jesus began something and we're the continuation of it. For for us to continue, we have to learn what we are continuing to and continuing from. What Jesus did, we also can do. But we got to reach out with faith to, to believe that. Because that sounds pretty extraordinary that he's just light years ahead of us. But Jesus said, no, you can do that as well. The disciples learned firsthand what they could do and what they could not. They come back rejoicing to Jesus that even the devils have are subject unto the word of God. Remember that scripture? Amen. He sent them out without any money, without any overnight change of clothes, without anything. And he said, go and do. By faith, by trust, everything that you need will be supernaturally taken care of. Hallelujah. I'm a happy boy. Let's look at Isaiah 55. We'll go back to the Old Testament. See, none of this is new stuff. We're, he, uh, the God of the old is the God of the new. We don't have two Bibles, two different Bibles under one cover. It's just that Jesus hadn't came yet. The reality of all of these things spoken of had not yet manifest because Jesus had not came. But Jesus has came. Jesus has arisen from the dead. The Holy Spirit has come. And we are recipients of that, and we have the ability to do. See, a lot of people just take this, and they just explode inside, and they just go out to do it. I remember an evangelist said he was in Africa, and the only thing he knows how to preach is go. That's the only word he said he ever seen in the Word of God was go. 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 So he began to speak to the people about Go. And he said it a couple minutes later, everybody got up and laughed. He thought he offended somebody. But they were so moved by what the word of God said that they got up out of their seat and they took off. And he caught some of them before they left and they said, well, you will. You, you said right there in the word to go and God is with you. God empowers you. You know, that is a great promise, but that is more than a promise. That is a statement of fact. The Great Commission says, go into all of the world. Go into your community. Amen. Most of us would never even have faith enough to believe that we could go into all of the world. But Mark's rendition of it is beautiful because he said every creature. That's your family. That's your neighbors. 
that's your co-workers. Everybody's included. It's a beautiful thing. You go, you proclaim, and I am with you. Amen. Glory to God. Isaiah 55. Wait and listen, everyone who is thirsty. Come to the waters, he who has no money. Come, buy and eat. Yes, come by priceless spiritual wine and milk without money and without price, simply for self-surrender that accepts the blessing. Did you catch that? It's simply for those who accept the blessing. He's saying, come to the banquet, come and eat, come and drink, no money necessary. I think that's a wonderful, beautiful scripture, don't you? Amen. Amen. My brother over there, he says he he said amen. Amen. Let me make a bold statement. With all of this chaos in the world, upheavals in the stock market, it dropped 800 points in two days, and people's getting crazy, they're freaking out, they're doing all of these things. With all of these ups and downs and the cycles and all of these things that are going on, I truly believe that we're coming into a time when faith will be more valuable than gold. Faith will be more valuable than gold. It's faith that's going to get you through. Hallelujah. Why? Because even if the world's money and system fails or changes, faith will always prevail. Faith will always prevail. So someone says, well, what if I lose my government check? What if I lose my food stamps? Faith will always prevail. Faith will always prevail. See, we, we're living way too low. We should be living higher on the mountain. Amen. You know what? This is just me speaking. I, I'm not, I, I would rather have a good job than a government check. I would. I would rather be healthy and strong and able than have a handicapped thing on my car where I can park in the front row. Amen. We, we, we can't set our sights low because all things is ours. He has freely given us all things. Amen. And I'm certainly not talking to the retirees because someday I'm going to get mine. When you work 50 years of your life, whatever money you get, you've well deserved. Amen. We don't want nobody putting their hands on it. That's one of the biggest arguments in the political world right now is X amount of people work, X amount of people bleed the people that does work. Amen. Oh, I'm touching on some toes now. See, we don't want that. And especially that is not God's best in the kingdom. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be financially successful. Amen. So we do these things because faith will always prevail. 
irregardless if you don't get your government check, faith will always prevail. Faith can do what money can never do because it is a supernatural medium of exchange. It's a supernatural medium of exchange. When Jesus sent the guys out, he said, take nothing with you. Watch and see. You're going to be cared for. You're not going to miss any meals. Everything is going to work out. Are you with me? We got everybody awake today, so that's good. God said in 2 Corinthians 3.21, all things are yours. All things. I'll tell you a funny story. An old preacher that I love very much named Charles Katz, he told a story that was a true story. He said there was a guy that got caught shoplifting at Walmart. He was filling his pockets. They caught him. They arrested him. They asked him what the deal was. Why was he stealing the stuff? He said, well, the preacher told us in church today that all things is ours. He, he said, I was just helping myself. <laughs> you know, we can, we can have fun, we can laugh, but a lot of people interpret things. And, and to them, it wasn't funny. He thought, I, I guess that he thought that that was a, the real deal. All things is ours, so I'll just go and help myself. <laughs> but do you know what all means? All means everything without exception on this planet and in the realm of the invisible that God has already created and intended for us to have. Everything is all that God has intended for us to have. He wants us to have a nice house. He wants us to send our kids to college. He wants us to have resources so we can not only take care of our family, but we can give to others. Amen. So we maybe perhaps will look at things a little different after today. It's not always money that means everything. Because Jesus has proven many times, I've given quite a few examples, we could give more, that he didn't give them a check or the visa card. He just said, go out and do the things of the kingdom. Psalm 115 and 16, one of the last scriptures. I know this one by heart. The heaven, even the heavens are God's, but the earth has he given to the children of men. Isn't that what it says? The heaven and the heavens belong to the Lord. But the earth hath he given to the children of God. To be politically correct, I can't say Indian giver. He don't give and take it back. Once he has given it to someone, it's forever belongs to us. The earth he has given to the children of men. This is beautiful because the earth is just a reflection of heaven. In heaven, there's trees. In earth, there's trees. 
rivers in heaven, rivers on earth, so on and so forth. He had given the earth to the children of men to take dominion over, to govern, to manage, a total duplicate of what heaven is. And that's what Jesus wanted us to do is to bring heaven to earth. Isn't that the Lord's Prayer? Romans 8.32 said, He has freely given us all things. If someone gives me something for free, that means I, hadn't, I didn't have to work for it or earn it. It was freely given to me as a gift. He's freely given to me, to us, all things. Freely given to us by God. So the question is, how do I get what belongs to me? You've said some wonderful things, but that's not helping my situation out. How do I get these things that belongs to me? You have to release your faith. You have to release your faith. I love the ministry of the evangelist so much that people get prayed for and they're asked to do something. They're asked to do something. They're asked to get up. I was actually in a place in Africa where a young boy, he was about 16, his mother brought him. He was deaf from birth. He had never heard. And the lady, she ridiculed the whole meeting. She said, I don't know why I'm even going other than curiosity that she was a Muslim lady. She didn't believe in this Jesus stuff, so on and so forth. But when the word of God was spoken, the boy that couldn't hear received his hearing. And they brought him up on the platform and they began to speak to him, began to do things, you know, how many? Well, he couldn't speak very well because he couldn't hear to speak. But the whole place was electrified because they knew, many of them knew this guy, and they knew that he received his miracle, and the whole place was just electrified for Jesus. Amen. So faith will require something of you. Faith will always challenge you. Once the what it is that you're believing for has passed, faith is no longer necessary. I believe that many even here today is believing God for many different things. But faith will always prevail. But we must release our faith. How? Through words, action, or seed sown to receive what faith has provided. And remember, it's currency. It's supernatural currency. It requires a corresponding action. Amen. When the minister asks if anybody wants to receive Jesus into their heart, it requires a corresponding action. Somebody's going to have to say, that's me. That's me. I want Jesus to come into my heart. I want Jesus to live his life through me 
it requires something. Amen. So don't think that because we're living by faith and we talked about money, we don't need to contribute anymore because this church is going to just move on without anything. Don't hear what I didn't say. You're sowing seeds into the kingdom and you will reap the rewards. We'll reap the rewards together. The minister that I think highly of, he, he bought a place in Chicago, the most depressed neighborhood in the whole city. The police wouldn't even go into this neighborhood. The crime and all of these things was so bad that it was out of control. And he come in and he pioneered a church. And do you know that he is very wealthy? But his people came right up alongside of him. And they are homeowners. They are business owners. All of these things, all of these principles that he taught about sowing and reaping was not so the preacher could have uh, Mercedes and fine suits. It was for all of the people to come up. Because faith never fails. Amen. Faith cannot fail. So we speak the word. We sow seeds. And our actions will cause faith to be alive and to work and to grow mightily for whatever desire that we need or what we are believing God for. Amen. So we have to meditate on these things. I've given you quite a bit, but these things is not to be dismissed. They're to look at things through a different point of view. We have to take off our religious glasses sometimes and not look at everything in the natural but look at the supernatural because Jesus will provide for us. So many times people will say, yeah, but that was Jesus. I, I'm just a little worm. I, I'm just, a, you know, just, a, but that's not true. That's not true. Let me give you one more scripture and then we're out of here. John 14 and 12 you know it well. Hallelujah. This Jesus thing is just the awesome best. There's not much of anything the world has to offer anymore that, that interests us. Watch this. The words of Jesus says, Verily, verily, listen closely. I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. I'm not totally sure what all of the greater works represent, but the works that Jesus did, so shall ye do also. To those that believe. To those that believe. To those that believe. Hallelujah. I believe I'm done. But we can just talk about this faith thing just forever. It's an endless thing. Amen. I said the other day that we spoke a lot about grace. And grace is the absolute wonderful but you have to receive the benefits of grace by faith. By faith. Everything hinges on something. 
love, faith, patience, trust. All of these things work together for our common good. But I love this because the greater works that Jesus did, you shall do also, and greater works than these shall you do. My goodness, that is wonderful. Amen. One more quick story. An evangelist guy that I think very much of, he goes all over the world. And what I love probably most about him is he is fearless. He's a champion of the gospel, and he goes to Indonesia and all of these Muslim stronghold places. He don't take the gospel to Canada or someplace like that. He takes the gospel to the most dangerous, remote, uh, anti-God places on the planet. And he said he used to be where he would go and he would stay in the motel. And he would weep and wail, please God, please show yourself mighty, do some stuff. You know, I want to see. And, and he did this for many years. He would beg God and he would just sweat and carry on. And, you know, but he said, you know, I've got to a place where my faith has grown to where I don't have to do that anymore. Yes, I still believe in prayer, but I go to them places not begging God, but expecting God. He gets up there boldly and he gives a red hot gospel message and he said, we're going to sing a song. We're going to, yeah, I'm going to sit down and have some water, but nobody go home because Jesus is going to show himself powerful in this Muslim community. And he will get up there and he, without hesitation, will say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke the spirit of blindness. Blind eyes open now in Jesus' name. And within seconds, somebody would say, I can see, I can see. You know, two, then it's two, then it's three, then it's, then it's six. I mean, this is every night. Deaf ears opening, paralysis healed, and everything. Because, well, because Jesus is wonderful. But the key is not somebody would say, well, oh, they got extraordinary faith. No, they didn't even know who Jesus was. They have the absence of unbelief. They believe that Jesus could do all of these things. So we find out that unbelief is definitely the hindrance of faith working as it should. Amen. And that just makes me happy. Amen. The disciples said, well, give me some more faith. He said, I don't need to give you any more. You've already got it. I've already got it. I've already got it. You've already got it. Stand to your feet with me. My goodness. Did you get anything today? Do we need a couple hundred thousand dollars to go out and accomplish great things? If you've got a couple hundred thousand to give to me, I'll gladly take it. We can definitely accomplish great things. 
But I'm telling you to just not put limitations on God. Amen. Because he can work around all of these things. He is almighty. He just wants us to believe it. Hallelujah. Father, I pray and I thank you for those who came today. I thank you that they heard the word and you said that faith comes by hearing the word. I thank you, Father, that faith also comes by understanding what they have heard. I thank you, Lord, that the power of the Holy Spirit has given us a fresh outlook on the area of finance. I thank you that he is increasing our faith as we speak from day to day, from glory to glory. But I ask right now before we dismiss, if there's anyone here who has never accepted Jesus as Lord, that all of this is foreign to you and you didn't quite understand it, but in your spirit, in your inner man, it just leaped and said, I need Jesus. I need what you spoke of. I need Jesus operating in my life. To just simply raise your hand because getting saved and turning your life over to Jesus is just a declaration of faith. If there's anyone before we close Anyone at all that says, I would like to invite Jesus to come into my heart to forgive me of all of my sin and to save me and to live his life through me. Anyone at all. Hallelujah. Well, Father, as we go, may the Holy Spirit just keep bringing to our remembrance the things that we have been shown clearly in the word of God the things that we have been taught, that there is no limitations in Christ Jesus. Any self-imposed boundaries that we put upon ourselves, that I can't do this, I can't afford that, may we take a look and see what the Word of God says, what we can do and what we cannot do. I thank you, Father, that through you all things is possible. I thank you for great and mighty things that's coming out of the heartland of Kansas. I thank you that there's going to be a fire ignited in the hearts of the people. I thank you that there's a people who expect more, who desire more. And I think that they're going to see it in Jesus' name. Before we leave, we pray for our great nation. We pray for healing and resurrection power among the people. I thank you, Father, that the great divide that seems to be right now very present in our nation will begin to heal and things will begin to fade, that violence and lawlessness and all of these things will be quelled in Jesus' name, that we can come together as one for the betterment of the government and of our country. We thank you for all of the benefits you've given us, long life, health, abundance, our whole family being saved in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen.
Oh, thank you.